Hi, this is Rob Foltz, campus pastor at Lee University, and we want to welcome you to this podcast. Good morning, everyone. If you'll stand for the reading of the word. Psalms 91 through 2 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, wherever you had formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Psalms 126, 2 through 3 says, Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them. Lord has done great things for us, and we are glad. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we come humbly before you today and ask that we be able to catch a glimpse of your spirit. Allow us to be still in this moment so that you can begin a new work in us. We thank you for your guidance, provision, and solace in time of need. We are thankful for the opportunity to come together and represent your body. We pray that the words that are spoken here today will fulfill the needs of each person in attendance. Open our ears to your word and soften our hearts for your spirit. We pray that you are glorified today in this service and for the rest of our days. Thank you for your sacrifice and all that you have blessed us with. In your name, amen. You can be seated. Welcome to our celebration today. We are celebrating the goodness of God and we're also celebrating our legacy. Um, as a university and as the Behavioral and Social Sciences Department. Today we want to celebrate the goodness of God, the training, the knowledge, the mentorship, and the transformation that's occurred for all of us in our time here. It's all because of God that these things have happened. We have been favored, we have been blessed as a university and as a department. It's our birthday today. Can everybody say happy birthday? We are. Behavioral Social Sciences is 52 years old. I know we don't look like it, but we are. We've been around for a little bit of time. So I just want to welcome you as we celebrate our time together. You have a program that you received when you came in, and we'll just follow that order of service. Excited today to hear from Dr. Merle Dirksen and Dr. Robert Fisher as they share with us um, the history of our department and a legacy uh, of learning and blessing. We're also going to be hearing from uh, many students who will be leading us in scripture and responsive reading. Thank you, Jonathan, for the scripture and the prayer to begin the service. And then we are going to be led in worship by our Behavioral and Social Sciences Worship Band. Um, it's a combination of uh, majors in our program. And then we're going to be led uh, in worship by watching a reflective dance um, by Shamira and Jackie. So without further ado, please stand. All we have been and all we ever hope to be is found in our God, his son Jesus Christ, and the gift of his Holy Spirit. Let's celebrate the goodness of God because God is good. God, we thank you for this opportunity, Jesus, to be here in your presence. God, we thank you that you are here in our hearts, in this atmosphere. And Lord, as we continue to go forth, God, 
Let your presence be made known. Let you be glorified in everything that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. Please welcome Dr. Dixon. Good morning. On the way over here, Dr. Poole was making fun of Dr. Fisher and myself. Uh, he said, um, why did they choose you to speak? And I said, well, they chose Dr. Fisher because he's a wonderful speaker. And have you seen my hair? That's why they chose me. You know, this is my um, 20, this is my 47th year at Lee. Uh, there's only one person who has taught longer than I have uh, and been here, and that's Dr. Kahn. And, and, you know, after he retires, I'll spend another day or two to be the oldest faculty member before I leave. But anyway, so I wanted to talk to you this morning. I kind of thought about, you know, the best way to kind of approach this whole thing of legacy. Because um, we hear a lot about this this week um, and this year. But I know sitting in front of me this morning is the legacy, is the heritage of Lee in this, in this room. Uh, and I'm not talking about the, fa the old faculty here, I'm talking about the students. So when I thought about you know, highlighting kind of students and the importance of students, I was thinking about the large number of graduates I've had over 47 years in sociology and psychology and anthropology. And the students that I kind of think, have, you know, I have five students in fully funded PhD programs and I have a Bill Gates um, scholar at Cambridge. And then I thought of Barry and Katie. Um, and I thought, you know, I'm gonna talk about these, when it comes to mind, these kind of iconic people that are kind of changing the world. Um, and so I'm gonna start with Katie this morning. Katie, in 2003, we started anthropology and we're building the major when in 2006, Katie Johnson came to join. She was a bit different. Uh, she didn't like to wear shoes much. She loved gardening and spent a lot of time hiking the Okoye. In the summer of her junior year, Katie got herself an internship at the Smithsonian Ethnomusicology. In her senior year, she helped to start the Greenway Table here in Cleveland, um, which was, was a sustainable garden, which is now defunct. It's a joke. Um, after graduating, Katie went to train in agriculture at Echo Global Farm in Florida. Echo Farm trains practitioners from around the world in innovating farming techniques. There she met a guy from California who also didn't wear shoes and was trained in sustainable forestry. That actually is their wedding picture and a picture of her wedding ring on her toe. Uh, <coughs> together, um, they, she met a guy from California who also did not wear shoes and was trained in sustainable forestry. Today they work with the Beersheba Project in Senegal. This is how the Beersheba Ministry describes itself. Improving agriculture, enabling the church, transforming communities. The Beersheba Project combines a sustainable agroforestry program together with holistic training and an agricultural resource center for young uh, Senegalese farmers. So this is my first lesson to share with you this morning. While a student, grab every opportunity to enhance your education outside the classroom, as Katie did. My lesson for you number two is, be careful who you choose to spend the rest of your life with. Marry someone with similar goals and ideals. If they don't like to wear shoes and they like gardening, go for it. Then there was Barry. Oh, Ben Barry. Barry was a bit past his college age when he showed up in my sociology class. And it was a, I was immediately drawn to him. He was a local boy, a graduate of Cleveland High School. His father and brother taught here, taught in Cleveland, and were both known as great coaches. But Barry was a Methodist minister. Every Sunday he preached 
in Mix County. He had three churches. Um, he ministered in one at nine, the other one at 11, and the last one at one. Um, in order to pay his bills, he cut pulp wood. I love Barry. He drove a pulp wood cutting truck. He showed up in his coveralls. And you know, he loved Dr. Mundy's social theory class. When I ask him to speak in capstone classes, he always brings a big box of his social theory classes, uh, books with him. But he also loved people. He met and married Diane from Puerto Rico. Today, she teaches Spanish at a high school in Chattanooga. The Methodist Church always moves their pastors around. After a number of moves as a Methodist pastor, Barry found himself churchless. So he asked the hosted conference if he could occupy the vacant church in North Chattanooga just off Fraser Avenue. They let him have it, and he opened and operated a food kitchen, homeless shelter, and fellowship for street people until the Methodists found out the church site was worth millions of dollars and threw him out because they were gentrifying the North Shore of Chattanooga. The new owners um, tore down the building, and Barry was and his homeless were homeless and churchless. So he went down Chattanooga, found himself an old building, opened up a gym and weightlifting center, and a, formed a new con, uh, congregation of prostitutes, drug addicts, and alcoholics. Back to lesson number one. While here, use your time wisely in internships and in the other volunteer opportunities. Lesson number two is be real careful who you wed, similar interests and dressing styles. Don't share that with my wife. She doesn't dress like I do. Number three, life will move you around a lot in different directions. Plan ahead and remain open and flexible to God's work in your life. So here's a scripture from Proverbs. Can't see that well, but anyway. Trust God from the bottom of your heart. Don't try to figure out everything on your own. Listen for God's voice in everything you do. Everywhere you go, he's the one who will keep you on track. Well, Barry never stopped reading theology and social justice. He earned master's degrees from Asbury Theological and Boston University, and he loved studying the Bible, reading sociology and social justice books. But Barry does not only minister to people living in the bridges, under the bridges and streets in Chattanooga. When you go to Barry's Facebook page, occupation just says the street. His ministry extends to Romania and work among the gypsies, outcasts and marginalized. He, he has special attention to their plight. He tells the story of taking some Roma people with him to the Methodist church where his friend was pastoring. After the service, the pastor came up to him and said, Barry, don't bring those people with you again. Um, but Barry loves people. So, you know, it's, it's in our classes, in our offices, um, that we meet you, that every one of these people in this capstone class is now serving somewhere or somebody. Uh, let me just finish with a, I have to, with a Native American Pueblo prayer. Hold on to what is good, even if it's a handful of earth. Hold on to what you believe, even if it's a tree that stands by itself. Hold on to what you must do, even if it's a long way from here. Hold on to your life, even if it's easier to let go. Hold on to my hand, and this is what we say as faculty. Hold on to our hands, even if someday you'll be gone away from us. So this morning, right, what we have behind us is the heritage and the legacy of Lee, and each one of our faculty know and, and that's kind of why we're here. 
And that's why I am so excited after 47 years to be able to kind of talk to you this morning. Thank you very much. When uh, Dr. Ashcraft approached me about sharing today, she asked if I'd take a historical perspective since we're celebrating Lee's centennial this year. And as I thought about it, I, I realized even more how much my own history is bound up in Lee's history. Uh, this fall, I'm starting my 36th year teaching at Lee. So if you take that and add to it the four years that I was a student here, that's 40 years that I've been on this campus. Not as long as Dr. Dirksen, but 40 years, Eef. So, this is gonna be a look back at uh, Lee and our department through the lens of my experience. When I became a psychology undergraduate in 1976, uh, this department looked very different. There were only three full-time psychology faculty and seven faculty in the department as a whole, which at that time included sociology and history. Now, we have 11 full-time psychology faculty and uh, 17 all together. So if, if you can pull up the first photo, uh, this is the faculty uh, in 1979. Uh, yeah, you, you can see, uh, mostly consisted of young guns, uh, and four of them are still around. You can, I, if you, I probably can't read the labels there, uh, but Paul Kahn, Merle Dirksen, Karen Mundy, and Gary Riggins, who teaches in education. So four of the seven, the seven are still around, which is pretty amazing when you think about it. But yeah, don't they look cool? Yeah, and, and they were cool. Uh, the star of the psych faculty, though, was Paul Kahn, as you can imagine. Uh, and I took every course that he offered. He was a fantastic classroom instructor. He never used notes that I could tell, and he was never without his coffee cup. And I remember he frequently had chalk dust in his mustache from striking a thoughtful pose while he was teaching and across his back from leaning up against the chalkboard. And I'm very glad we have whiteboards now. It's much better than in those days. Uh, but in my senior year, I was given the opportunity to be a teaching assistant in Dr. Kahn's general psychology course. So if you look at the next picture, uh, this is the very first group of psychology TAs. That's me, the geeky looking guy on the left, and that's Dr. Eddie Stone there in the middle. So we were two of the first four psych TAs ever back in 1979. Uh, but this gave me my first experience of teaching, my first taste of teaching, and I really enjoyed it. And it, it made me realize that this might be something I could actually enjoy doing for a living. So in 1982, as I was completing my master's degree at Georgia State, wondering what the next step in my life would be, Dr. Kahn asked if I'd be interested in coming back to Lee to teach. And I remembered how much I enjoyed my TA experience, so I said yes. It was one of the best decisions I ever made. So coming to the Lee in the fall of 1982, I enjoyed a two-year period where Dr. Kahn and I were faculty colleagues in the department. He had the big corner office in our pod on the second floor of the Walker Building while well, I had the tiny one right next door. Uh, if you look at the next photo, uh, this is the faculty in 1983. This was my second year of being, in fact, I, yeah, I wish I had that head of hair and that dark beard and all of that from, from those days. 
but I really enjoyed those two years getting, work, getting to work side by side with Dr. Khan. I'm very fortunate to have him as my mentor, both as a student and as a newbie faculty member. Uh, in 1984, Dr. Khan became vice president under Dr. Lamar Vest, and he moved over to the administration building. I asked him if I could have his corner office while he was, while he was working as VP, and he said, sure, but don't get comfortable, because I'll be back. Well, two years later, he became president, so needless to say, I never had to give up the office. A few years later, the department moved, was relocated to a house at the north end of the pedestrian mall where the tennis courts now sit. There it is. Uh, this was our offices for, what, 10, 12 years. Uh, they, the various rooms were reconfigured to become faculty offices, and my office was in was once the kitchen because all of the plugs were at counter height, which was very weird. And, but being housed in such close quarters brought the faculty, to get, brought the faculty together in an unexpected way. And I have fond memories of our time in the BSS house before we moved to our current home over in the Humanities Building. Uh, from 1997 to 2000, I served as chair of the department. Those were tough years, tough but satisfying years. Being chair is a difficult job, as Dr. Sargent can attest. But during that time, I was able to hire some great faculty, who, some of whom are still here, and I was able to oversee the launch of our graduate programs and counseling. But after this tour of duty, I was more than happy to return to the classroom full time. So I'm incredibly grateful for what Lee University has given to me both professionally and personally. Beyond the satisfying work of being a teacher, it's given me opportunities to travel around the country and around the world. So I'm gonna do a little quick slideshow here, show you some of the places I've got to travel. Uh, the first one in 1983, I, was, I traveled to Russia and Romania as a chaperone for the Lee Singers. Uh, that's me in Red Square in front of St. Basil's Cathedral. I'll never forget, in Red Square, they have Lenin's tomb. And you can actually go into Lenin's tomb and you see him preserved there. And we were told when we went in, you'd be very quiet and very respectful. Don't say anything. And so uh, one of the students that was in our party started talking to his neighbor and he got slapped by one of the guards there. So I thought, okay, they were serious about this. Uh, next, in 1995, I was part of a team of faculty that taught in South Africa. Uh, the highlight for me was a week that I spent at a small school in Soweto, the black township outside Johannesburg. Uh, these students were just thirsty for any kind of learning. I, I taught a class in pastoral counseling, and they gave up so much to be there. In fact, I remember seeing them. They, they had little tiny dorm rooms, and they were hand, I watched them hand wash their clothes in a wash tub outside the room. These students, they're spoiled. In 2003 and 2004, no, pre there we go. Uh, Dr. Ashcraft and I took a group of students to London for the very first ever psych cross-cultural trip. We did that for two years, that was a lot of fun. And then in 2006, Dr. Sargent and I led the first psych trip to Germany and Austria, uh, an annual trip that continues to this day. And then in 2009, Dr. Milliron and I took a group on a fantastic trip to Japan. Talk about a cross-cultural experience. It was amazing. But more than anything, Lee has given me the opportunity to meet thousands of amazing young people. Many of them have gone on to careers as counselors, and doctors, researchers, and writers. Some of them have become my faculty colleagues. 
I consider it an honor to work here at Lee, to be able to teach young men and women at this very crucial time of their lives is an exciting but solemn privilege. And I pray every day that God will anoint me and use me as I prepare and teach. Because as Dr. Dirksen said, you are our heritage, our real heritage. Uh, let me finish with a scripture. And Dr. Dirksen actually did not plan this. It's, uh, this is the same scripture, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I'm a living testament to this. God is faithful and he will lead you if you genuinely seek him. So thanks for letting me part, be part of your lives. My prayer for you is that God will direct your paths and that his goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Thank you. If you all could stand with me for the responsive reading which you can find in your brochure. This is our legacy and birthright in him, our almighty God and creator. We are all children of God. The spirit himself testifies with our, own, our, with our spirit that we are God's children. We are all God's handiwork and he has blessed us with gifts. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are all forgiven. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. We are all a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here. We are all heirs of eternal life. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life, and, and this life is in his Son. We all live by faith. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are all co-heirs with Christ. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. We are all strong. I can do all th this through him who gives me strength. We are all wise, for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. The Lord is our shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. May the grace of God so fill us. May the love of Christ so embrace us. May this presence of the Spirit so empower us, so that we may live to the glory and praise of God. Alleluia. Amen. Wow. Finding it all in Christ. Thank you. Thank you so much. My six-year-old granddaughter, Elise, took me to see Christopher Robin. As you probably know, it's the story of a middle-aged man who re-encounters his childhood Pooh Bear. Well, there's not a shrink anywhere in the world who would not be fascinated by that storyline. Christopher, all grown up, very busy with work, family, life in general, is quite anxious to return Pooh to his rightful place in the woods and not be bothered. 
His patience with the innocent-minded Pooh finally runs out, and with an exasperated tone, he snaps. Pooh, there is more to life than red balloons and honey. After a reflective pause, Pooh says, Are you sure? We're about to partake in a very old Christian sacrament that the world finds archaic, meaningless, ridiculous. The world says in a scornful tone, there's more to life than silly Christian rituals, following an outdated book, believing in an escapist fantasy like heaven. And our answer to the world as we raise the cup and bread simultaneously in touch with our past, present, and future Simultaneously embracing gratitude for the redemptive cross, the hope of the resurrection, and the joy of a spirit-saturated life, we smile and ask, O oh world, are you sure? Are you sure there is more? To some of us, this chapel still feels very, very new, but most of you I think it's always been here. There's no official name for this chapel, so by default it is known as the Stone Chapel. That has a nice ring to it, don't you think? <laughs> anyway, if these walls could talk, what stories they could share. Every graduation, we do a hooding ceremony here for our graduate students, where they each walk across the stage and pause for a brief ritual blessing. There have been hundreds of weddings here where emotionally intoxicated couples prance their way out those doors back there into marital bliss, we hope. And sadly, now dozens of our friends and colleagues have passed and here we have said, Good night, old oh, friends, we'll see you in the morning. But there are no memories in this sacred place that truly compare to the memories that surround Holy Communion. There are many points of interest at the communion table. Let's look at three that relate to time. First, we are encouraged to look back. Luke twenty-two nineteen, 19, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we look back. We look back at the story of our own lives today. We glance at the sins forgiven, the prayers answered, the truly amazing grace that has kept us. We gaze upon the cross. We absorb best we can the indescribable, totally undeserved, pure love of Christ. Our personal past bonds with his sacrificial past, and the miracle of redemption ignites our hearts afresh. And our spirits rejoice that we are saved. Still in Luke 22, the focus turns to the future. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this, pass this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat of it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom 
of God. In this passage, Jesus makes a very brief mention of suffering. He merely says, before I suffer. What an incredible understatement. Immediately, he takes us past temporary suffering to a permanent victorious life in the kingdom. May I note that scripture doesn't draw a great deal of attention to personal suffering other than to file it under temporary. When we partake in communion, we gaze past all our suffering to a bright and perfect day. As wonderful and difficult as life here can be, it's not home. We look towards home. So when we take communion, we stand with one foot in the past, deeply grateful for all Christ has done for us, and one foot in the future in awe of our destiny. So what about right now, this very, very moment? In 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-eight, there's a scripture that sounds a little strange to us. For it says, a man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment unto himself. I don't know what drinks judgment unto himself means, but it does sound serious. This passage reminds us that this is not a casual event, but a holy sacrament. I confess I've participated in communion hundreds of times and once I was in a questionable communion setting. I didn't want to offend anybody. Perhaps you've been there. So I partook, but I should not have participated. I regret it to this very day. So I want you to know, all of you to know, this is an open communion for all believers but you don't have to participate today. If for whatever reason it's not absolutely comfortable for you, just pause and step aside, it's okay. Thank you for being here. Pooh Bear turned to Christopher Robin. What day is this, Christopher Robin? Pooh, this is today. Oh, good, said Pooh. Today is my favorite day. Today, believers, we come to the Lord's table. Today, we rejoice in forgiveness of sins and a clean heart. Today, we rejoice in the hope of the resurrection and a real life eternity with unspeakable promise. Today we hold our redeemed past in one hand, our glorious future in the other, and we stand tall in this present moment. We join the chorus of our spiritual ancestors saying, thank God, I'm saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost, and ready to meet the Lord when he comes or when he calls. And to the world who scoffs at the kingdom we boldly declare that what we have in this very moment today, yes, it is enough. It is enough. Indeed, abundantly more 
than enough. Would you stand for prayer? Our Father, thank you for giving us this wonderful sacrament. Thank you for tying our past and present and future into this one glorious spiritual moment. Before we partake, we ask your forgiveness of our sins, great and small. Forgive us of our sins, intentional and unintentional. Forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Cleanse and sanctify us afresh. Fill us with your spirit. May we lift up holy hands in your sanctuary. Anoint our heads with oil of gladness that we may seize the moment. For this, today, is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, our Lord, and our soon coming King. Amen. I'm going to be reading from Titus 2, 7, and 8 in Psalms 90, 16, and 17. It says, Show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Let your work be shown to your servants, and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us, and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands upon us. Thank you for attending our department chapel and thank you for staying over a little bit this morning. Uh, such a wonderful presence and a wonderful worship, time of worship. Uh, thank you especially to the students who performed this morning. We don't have a regular chapel band. I know that surprises you. <laughs> Probably does not in the department. And so these guys just got together just a week or so ago and then they do a wonderful job. From the dancing to the singing and to the reflections and the spoken word, thank you all so much. And thank you, Social Committee, chaired by Dr. Susan Ashcraft, for putting on this wonderful and beautiful chapel this morning. My final word to you is this morning is for you not to just think of celebration today and over the next few weeks, because you're going to hear a lot more about it on campus, as being a bunch of elders talking about what they did in the past. You're going to get to hear a little bit of that. You did this morning. But it's really not about that. It's about your inheritance. It's about what you're receiving and what you have in your hands right now. Take what, you, what has been given to you and walk out of here with a confidence and knowing that as you are searching for what God is leading you toward, that you have this wonderful foundation that is there for you. You're secure. You're safe. But it's now in your hands. So we, we encourage you to move forward as you seek God's will for your life, knowing that you have a legacy that you're standing on, and we're there with you, as uh, was stated earlier in the, in the prayer, that we're there holding your hand. We're right with you, worshiping together and struggling with you together. Bow your heads with me, please. 
I thank you, Lord, for inspiring our ancestors to create this wonderful institution where we can learn more about you and the world that you created. We thank you for the many sacrifices of our ancestors that were made in order to fulfill your will. Please continue to remind us that our inheritance is a gift from you. And may your spirit continue to guide us as we carry this legacy into the future. And now the college benediction, please join me. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. God bless you. We want to thank you for listening today. And if you want more information on our upcoming events, you can visit our website at leeuniversity.edu.